Thanks so much for joining me for this recording. I'm actually going to spend some time looking at what is yoga or defining what yoga is. And I'm really excited about this recording in particular because we're going to look at um, Sutra 1.2, which is quite an important sutra. And this is where Patanjali um, starts looking at this concept of yoga. And also because I think just in terms of how society perceives yoga now, it is largely based around the postures and the physicality of the practice. And as you've heard me say in previous recordings, it is so much more than that. Um, in fact, asana is just one small piece of the practice. And um, and if we're going to move beyond that, then we should probably understand a little more about this sutra in particular. And so if we just open it up by looking at the Sanskrit definition that Patanjali looks at, he actually says in this sutra, yogas chitta vritti nirodaha. And commonly this is um, translated into the English meaning of yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. And so this is when we look at just a very superficial translation of the Sanskrit terminology, this is what we often hear. And it's printed everywhere and a lot of teachers talk about this concept that, you know, we're trying to reach this state of Narodaha and this state of mind where there's not as much um, turbulence or disturbance in, in the mind. But if we go a little bit deeper and we look at um, how yoga actually views mind and in particular the different levels or types of mind that yoga defines. So the word chitta in this particular sutra, it's actually a very specific word and, and there is um, in yoga we, we, we actually um, by the end of this recording will understand that chitta is a very specific aspect of mind that we all um, can have access to and should be working towards with our yoga practice. But if we just look at a very kind of basic understanding of mind, the mind is what is the medium for our perception and it helps to actually receive and send information and Mainly the information that we're getting is coming in through the senses. And so those of you that have been at the studio when I've given this talk face-to-face, -face, we go over this concept of the chariot and the horses and this um, understanding that the senses are constantly drawing our mind outwardly and that, you know, the senses are represented by the horses which are actually pulling the cart. Now, when we look at the different types of mind according to yoga we've got the manas mind and the manas m-a-n-a-s mind is that aspect of our mind that is actually closest to the senses so this is the aspect of mind that's receiving this um, sensory information directly coming in and then we've got our ahankara or our smita mind, um, those terms are used interchangeably. And you heard me talk previously about asmita kind of um, being translated into ego. Um, so it's that identification of self and in particular the identification of, you know, the 
who we are in relation to the information that we're receiving from the outside world. Okay, and then when we go a little bit uh, deeper, we look at the buddhi mind, B-U-D-D-H-I, mind, buddhi mind. And this um, aspect of our mind is responsible for analyzing um, information that's actually come in and also processing that information and then deciding what we're going to do. So it's that um, higher aspect of decision-making and understanding. So you know, this is the part of the mind that would label things as being good or not good or things we like or don't like based on information and previous experiences. Interestingly, um, buddhi mind is also referred to as like the intellect. So, you know, reading and learning and um, that kind of aspect of getting around is done in this state of mind or this um, level of mind. So these manas, ahankara, asmita and buddhi mind, these are the kind of, um, maybe superficial isn't the right word, but these are more external uh, minds. So these are the minds that, that we access to actually allow us to function and operate in our modern society. Now, according to yoga, we have deeper states of mind and Part of the practice is very much centered around accessing some of these deeper aspects of our mind. So when we look at this concept of chitta, chitta mind, which he mentions in this sutra, it's usually not really related to the head itself, right? It's it's said to be um, a part of our mind that actually comes from the heart or the heart center. And this aspect of mind is responsible for um, focus and in particular our capacity to hold our focus on one point. And it's also responsible, it's that aspect of the mind that's responsible for making connections with ourselves and also with others on a much deeper level. So it goes beyond the intellect and a little bit deeper. Um, Certainly when we start looking at these aspects of mind that Patanjali talks about here, they're not really um, all that measurable, I guess. So, you know, we have things like IQ tests and, you know, all sorts of tests to see how, you know, we relate to um, response times and, um, you know, coordination and all of that aspect of mind, which would be all of those superficial kind of levels, the buddhi, the ahankara, the manas. But now that we're going a little bit deeper and we're looking at the um, more internal aspects of mind, you can see that they're really corresponding to much deeper aspects of our humanity and our, ourselves. So the next um, kind of very internal mind is the pratyaya mind. And it's said that the pratyaya, P-R-A-T-Y-A-Y-A, <laughs> let me spell that again, P-R-A-T-Y-A-Y-A, the pratyaya mind. This aspect of mind is said to transcend all boundaries um and the interesting because it's said that we can exist in this state of mind when we're in a deep state of meditation when we're in sleep or dreaming but also when we achieve that um 
aspect of samadhi and we we talk about we'll talk about samadhi in a in a later recording but it is that higher state um that's often referred to as being very very blissful now there is a third much deeper state of mind and that's referred to in yoga as the sattva mind s-a-t-v-a sattva mind and Um, The analogy that's often used for this state of mind is that it's like a lake and it's very clear and it will only reflect that that's directly in front of it. So it's a very, very, very quiet state of mind, the sattva mind. Um, I know personally when I think about this state of mind, I feel like I'm like a hundred lifetimes away from that state of mind. Um, you know, we have so much information coming in and that if you think about how you're existing and the state of mind that you're existing in most of the time, you will come to realize that for the most part, they're very external minds, you know, like on social media and then we're here and then we're there. And, you know, even having like a simple task, I know like personally, if I have, you know, admin to do, which it's like my least favorite thing to do is admin, right? So that's like, I always say that's like my shit sandwich. Like I love what I do, but the admin is that part that just has to get done. And I will sit down and be like, no, 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 it needs to get done. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh yeah, but I, you know, I'll make myself a cup of tea first. And then I'm up making a cup of tea. And then like, I sit down with my cup of tea and then I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like I really needed to book those tickets for this weekend for such and such. And then like, I'm on the internet booking tickets. And then like, I come across some ad for, you know, Lululemon or something else that's really cool. I'm like, oh, I should really check that out. I need a new jacket. And then before you know it, like a whole hour, has passed and zero admin has gotten done you know and this is this is a really good example of what a sattva mind is not and you know this is an example of how we're getting around most of the time so when we're looking at some of this philosophy and some of these concepts they feel like they're light years away but remember that so much of what we're doing with the practice and with the pranayama and with the meditation and with the asana practice is going deeper and deeper and deeper and doing the best we can to try and access some of these other parts of ourselves. And they exist in all of us and it's possible for all of us to get there. We just need to be patient and disciplined and apply ourselves to a regular practice because then some of these things, we get little glimpses of them. You know, we might not be able to establish ourselves in them right away and whenever we want to, but we can start getting glimpses of what's possible. Um, The other thing that's probably worth a mention here is the fact that even though we're talking about this philosophy and we're going deeper and learning more and it's essential and it's great because it it can actually really help facilitate more of our practice, yoga is definitely a feeling. It's not a doing. It's not an intellectual action. Um, Yoga is is definitely more about a much deeper sense of connection. And so this is where I just really want to drive this home because we can be doing a yoga practice 
and be very much engaged in these external minds okay so we can be doing a practice and we can be you know looking at the person next to us and eyes open and darting around the room and um, engage even sometimes students engaging in conversation during a class and you know this kind of um, stuff it's as long as we're taking that approach to our practice, we're not really giving ourselves the opportunity to go deeper and form a better connection with these other aspects of mind and self. So, you know, this is why so many of the tools around teaching, and if if you're a teacher listening to this, please understand that it's your responsibility to create the space for your students to actually start going a little bit more in this direction. The emphasis of the breathing, the emphasis on modifications and closing the eyes and all of these other things that we do to hold a space as as a teacher, this is, this is important because it's going to allow your students to really go a little bit deeper in their practice and start to experience this connection to and this and this feeling of yoga not not the doing of yoga um, and this is really the biggest difference between how most people perceive the practice and how you know yoga has been practiced for thousands of years um and so just on that too, you know, it's a very subtle process. It's, again, it's, it's not something that we can like measure. We don't do like range of movement tests for the, you know, for the mind. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a very subtle, very personal, very deep process that happens over a longish period of time. Um, and I just really wanted to take the time to, to explain that because I think also so many students now come to yoga because of anxiety and because of depression. And um, those of you who are going to be listening to this, I know some of you have battled with this because we've talked about it at length and this concept of trying to you know come off some of the pharmaceutical medications, etc., and be able to manage this stuff using other tools. And you know, it's a long process. It's a long process. It's not something that is going to come overnight or even over a week or months. You know, we really need to apply ourselves and and keep connecting to ourselves on a much deeper level. And it's also why yoga is a daily practice because it has a cumulative effect. So when we practice regularly, um, we actually see the results of that practice um, compound over time, which is which is another thing. It's an important thing to remember. And certainly those of you that have been with me for a little while now, when we practice and then you have a break for whatever reason, you know, family, holidays, you know, life happens – and then you come back, you know, the comments always the same. It's like, oh, wow, like it's, this, I forgot what this was like. It's almost like I've gone back to the beginning again. It can be extremely frustrating because you have lost maybe some of that ease initially to tap into self and really connect on a deeper level. But, you know, it, it generally comes back, um, you know, fairly quickly because you are familiar with the tools and the practice. So it usually doesn't take as long to get back to where you were before you left the practice. But it's why, you know, 
even taking your mat with you and, and doing some 15 minutes a day, I always say it, you know, it doesn't need to be hours and hours. Short amount, a short amount of time is, is enough. Um, but just on this too, you know, this um, concept of connecting with the deeper states of mind and in particular connecting with the heart center. And one of the biggest things that gets in the way are our obstacles that we all struggle with, Klesha, and we, we definitely have mentioned those in a previous recording with the aversion and the attachment, but we'll go into a lot more depth with these. But, you know, fear is really one of the biggest um, barriers that we have, one of the biggest obstacles for us to try and overcome. And fear really, really separates internal mind and external mind. And when we look at the nature of fear and even just hearing um, the way some people talk about the opposite, which is, you know, say love and feeling connected and feeling open and you know, and the fear around that even, you know, that, oh, well, you know, I can't open myself up. I can't possibly be vulnerable because, you know, I'll get hurt or I'll get rejected or whatever the case is. And, you know, this connecting um, to this heart center and opening ourselves up for really authentic, really deep connections with other people as well, it, it definitely um, happens through this overcoming, identifying and overcoming of this fear that we all experience as part of the human predicament and tapping into these more internal um, aspects of our, our mind. So, yeah, um, I, I don't think, and I've certainly heard teachers, other teachers say this, um, much more experienced long-term teachers than myself, but you can't really be established in both aspects of mind at the same time. So like if you, if you're very external, um, in one of those initial three mind states that we talked at about manas, asmita or buddhi mind, you know, like that's where you are. You can't necessarily be established there and established in the chit, chitta, pratyaya and sattva, more internal minds. Um, but the interesting thing is too, if you are established in those more internal minds, you can you can actually function very well and um, <clears throat> and move from that space of more of a, a conscious awareness and have, um, I, I guess, a, a much richer experience of um, every interaction that you're having with your environment, with yourself and with others. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, when we look at, again, when we go back and look at some of the other obstacles, one of the main things that keep us from connecting to these deeper internal minds, are, you know, desire. So this desire that keeps us constantly focused externally, like I've got to get that, I've got to get to that point. I need to get the house, the car, the 2.5 kids, the whatever, you know, it's that a constant external desire for, um, you know, objects, things, scenarios, situations that can really hinder our ability to go deeper and to find that sense of um, kind of bliss or joy that we talk about so often in yoga and just that sense of contentment with exactly where we are right now. 
So it's also why a huge aspect of the practice is this detachment from external objects. I'm not suggesting you sell everything and like get a caravan. I'm simply um, suggesting that on a really basic level, we can practice this on the mat. And this, and, and you know, if you're observing students or if you're a student, we've all done this where we've kind of been very externally focused and very much attached to whether I can do something, achieve something, be something, be somewhere. Um, and so uh, much of the practice is to try and detach from that and move more towards, okay, can I connect with my breath? Can I be in the present moment? Can I accept where I am right now? Because it's perfect. It's just fine where I am right now. And I can breathe here and I can experience the sensations and the opening through different parts of my body. Um, and really keep the mind kind of moving in that direction. So, you know, that uh, practice of asana, mastering of asana requires that we can really drive the body, the breath and the mind all in the same direction and be there for some time without um, feeling the rush or the urge to come out or move somewhere else on a physical, mental level. So um, just on that as well, you know, Dr. NC, who's my teacher and been my teacher for years now, um, he describes yoga as being um, intense, incessant, perfect action. And so this idea, I don't know, but people just have this idea that like, oh, once you're in a state of yoga, like you just sort of bliss out and like sit there and don't do much. And <laughs> it's, um, it's not really the case. Like once you become established in a practice, and I think once we see some of these really accomplished practitioners, they have this laser-like focus and they're very much able to develop much deeper understandings and and they and the way they even um, converse and, and communicate some of their experiences and some of their teachings through their practice, it's... It's so articulate and it's so beautiful and it really shows this very deep connection to self and um, and this very active state of mind that is is deeper than just the superficial ones. And in in I think when you look at um, you know most of what we struggle with in in finding happiness and 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 that true sense of self and that consciousness, it, it is the constant destructions and the constant, you know, focus outwardly of these slightly more um, external minds. So um, in a future recording, I'm going to um, go into depth um, on some of the states that we often experience um, when we're in these different minds. So um, I really want to take some time to break that down, but not in this recording. I've kind of been on a really big, big rant, but <laughs> it's it's pretty cool stuff. When we think about what yoga is described as, 
yoga, chitta, vritti, narodaha, um, sutra 1.2, we, we see that, you know, so much of what we're trying to do with our regular practice is go deeper and have much more um, kind of enriched experiences of life and and of others and and um and so i hope that this recording has inspired you if nothing else to you know get on your mind and to apply everything we've learned together and apply your yogic tools and move in this direction so yeah anyway guys thanks so much again for listening and tuning in and i can't wait to see you at the studio soon take care bye now